Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast solo edition. Uh, Justin Cuthbert with you on a busy, busy, busy week in the hockey world we are fully in the throes of the olympic tournament on both the men's and women's sides canadian women ran the table in group a their run culminating in a victory over the united states a big one but not the most important one just yet their quarterfinals will begin friday and the canadian men open their tournament with a little revenge beating germany 5-1 it was the germans who knocked them out in the semi-final round four years ago in South Korea. We start, however, though, with coaching changes in the NHL. Uh, we've had consecutive get- days in a Canadian market where a coach has been fired. On Wednesday, it was Dominique Ducharme in Montreal who was out, and Marty St. Louis, surprisingly, coming in. And on Thursday, Thursday being today, Dave Tippett out as head coach of the Edmonton Oilers with Jay Woodcroft coming in, a familiar name in the Edmonton Oilers organization or adjacent to the Edmonton Oilers organization. Uh, In both cases, uh, it was a long time coming, I think. I mean, Dominique Ducharme hasn't been on the job for more than a year, but still feels like a long time coming. Uh, And both follow a pattern of Canadian coaches just not lasting in this league, and that being not Canadian-born coaches, but Canadian coaches or coaches, rather, in Canadian markets. Uh, This is the fifth coach in the last calendar year to be either fired or replaced in a Canadian market. The only two that have endured are Sheldon Keefe and DJ Smith are only a couple of years into their tenures as well. Uh, Fifth in the last calendar year, fourth this year alone. Of course, Vancouver had a coaching change as well. Uh, Montreal and Winnipeg and uh, Edmonton being the last one here. So let's start in Edmonton with Dave Tippett. Um, all the ingredients were there, right? It's a team that never meets expectations. That was once again, not meeting expectations, actively slumping frustration in the market, frustration among the players. But the big thing here is, I think with Edmonton, that there are other issues that weren't, as easily addressed, right? Like this is the low hanging fruit in the NHL all the time when there's issues to fire the coach, because it's the only one that you don't have commitment to in the salary cap world. But it's also sort of surprising because of Holland's Ken Holland, the general manager of the Oilers assertion that this wasn't really a thing, right? Just a month ago, um, Ken Holland came out and said that he doesn't believe really 
in coaching changes in season. And he did admit that there's some cases where it's necessary, but didn't think again a month ago that replacing Dave Tippett was necessary. Now what's happened in the last month? Not many games, only 10. The Oilers have won five of them. So, I mean, things were pretty bad at that time, but they were bad because the Oilers were slumping, but also not playing games. So it was like impossible for them to spin their wheels and get out of it. And now they are playing more games, but only 10 since then. And it hasn't been terrible. It wasn't great in a 4-1 loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. I believe their third loss in the last four games. So sliding again a little bit. But like, not terrible. Still striking distance. They're just getting Evander Kane into the system. And yet, it, it does feel like this needed to happen. It felt like the response wasn't necessarily there. That Dave Tippett didn't really have the answers. But again... Hard to have answers for incompetent goaltending, which the Oilers have had ever since Ken Holland took over. He hasn't addressed that major issue, and that's really the reason why, probably, even though maybe he wasn't the best fit for the job, but the reason why he failed in this job, or the number one reason. Uh, in comes Jay Woodcroft, who, of course, does not play goaltender, um, but is a... Pretty highly respected guy uh, in that market and across league circles. Uh, he was retained by the Oilers when Todd McClellan was fired. He was an assistant of McClellan's, came from San Jose to Edmonton. With McClellan, they thought enough of him to say, hey, go, go coach in Bakersfield um, while we give Dave Tippett a shot here. So he's always seemed like he was next in line. And he has experience with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, among others. And as I mentioned, has built that strong reputation. He doesn't need a miracle to turn things around. Again, I mentioned only a couple points out of a playoff spot. They're in 10th, 10th by points, 10th by points percentage. They're still in it for sure. But he will need to do something special in order to come overcome the real issues on the roster, namely goaltending, unless Ken Holland finally does something. Ken Holland's been around for too long to still have Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith as the only options in net. He re-signed Mike Smith. He hasn't moved Miko Koskinen. He hasn't done anything when in the last two summers, there's been feverish goaltending movement in the NHL. He needs to do something, or no coach is going to have success, even if Woodcroft is really the man for the job. And even if Dave Tippett wasn't necessarily that guy. Either way, there was really no chance, because Koskinen and Smith, Koskinen throughout his tenure and Smith this year, just haven't given the Oilers what they need. Um, for Connor McDavid, uh, and others, way too many coaches. This is McDavid's seventh year. I think he's on his sixth coach. Is that, is that true? I think, Mc, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins been around for 11 years. He's 12 coaches. Am I seeing that right? Uh, way too many coaches for these guys. These are former number one overall picks. Leon Dreisaitl seen too many coaches. It shouldn't come down to this. There's something else going on. Clearly, they don't just choose bad coaches. Goaltending. It's not only goaltending, but probably nothing will change unless the goaltending changes. Okay, let's go to Montreal. Uh, a different situation here for sure. Um, Dominique Ducharme, despite being behind the bench for a Stanley Cup run, a run to the Stanley Cup final. I don't think anyone has really considered him a high-quality head coach. 
Like, it seemed like he was fully and completely just along for that ride, the ride that Carey Price was orchestrating, not by himself, with the help of Phil Deneau and Shea Weber and Ben Sherratt, but it felt like Ducharme was a passenger there. I mean, wasn't it Kirk Muller who came in when Ducharme either tested positive or had close contact and kind of turned that series around versus Toronto, if I'm remembering things right? Anyway, so a lot of, of, of a lot of opinions validated, mine included. Like, I just don't think Ducharme was a great coach. And I think, you know, they're actively trying to be bad right now. Like Jeff Gordon special, let's, let's, you know, burn it to the ground, start over. I've said on a few podcasts and radio appearances now that Jeff Gordon would still be rebuilding in New York if he had it his way. He wants to take this slow. So you kind of had the right coach to not win games and Dominique Ducharme for a little while there. But it kind of was trending towards something that was problematic, like the effort, the enthusiasm, the things the coach can affect, like they were all shot. Montreal, Stanley Cup final, what, eight, nine months ago? Completely fallen off to the table to the point where they managed to become the worst team in the league when teams are actively tanking around the league. The Montreal Canadiens are the worst team in the NHL, and they were in the championship series last year, but also not trying to be bad this year, at least when it started. So that was a problem. Ducharme was a problem, clearly. And there's a thing in the NHL about losing gracefully. Uh, and it looks like they're going to try to lose gracefully for the next few years. And that couldn't happen with Ducharme. Ducharme really won the lottery. Let's be honest. As I mentioned, jumping on that Carey Price run, he was an interim coach at that point. He came in for Claude Julien, who was fired in season last year. So two in a row for the, for the Habs here. Uh, but he signed a three-year extension in the offseason after going to that Stanley Cup final run and despite not really proving anything himself. So he's going to get paid for the rest of this year and the next two years to sit on the sidelines, which is a pretty good deal when I don't know if anyone really expected you to be an impactful NHL head coach. Coming in for Ducharme, as I mentioned, is Martin Saint-Louis. He is really the story here. The story is the replacement. When in Edmonton, the story is Dave Tippett being fired. Now, with, with Saint-Louis, it's hard to form an opinion, right? Like this... I didn't even know he was a coach. I know he's been involved in stuff with his sons. He's been involved in hockey since he exited as a player in his Hall of Fame career. But we, we, we didn't know anything about him being, you know, having head coaching ambitions. And this is a really difficult spot for a first-time head coach. A bad team looking to be bad. A bad team that doesn't necessarily want to be better next year because, well, they have a draft at home this, this summer. Connor Bedard is... Um, the prize next year. Uh, and they are not, they haven't even really begun the process of getting rid of their players. They still have to do a lot of work to get down to the studs. Um, so it's going to be difficult for any head coach, but one that's never been in this position of, before to, you know, meet expectations or uh, you know, establish and hit goals. Like it's going to be difficult for his success to be graded and for him to stay enthused about the situation. Maybe he's all, maybe this is exactly what he wanted. Maybe he wanted to sort of 
groom himself in a situation similar to this. Maybe he just wanted to be a good cop in a bad situation. I, I don't really know how this is going to play out, but we can't really pat the Canadians on the back or praise Martin St. Louis because we just don't know anything yet. I do think he'll be able to connect with his players. What little ones on the roster now are going to be there in the future. And I do like his attitude, him coming in and saying, I'm not here to be a substitute teacher. That's a, that's great. I just don't think we'll know until we know. And I don't even think Jeff Gorton and Kent Hughes truly know. How could they? Let's go to some on ice news. It's been a good year for Brad Marchand. You know, this has been a year sort of, of uh, in part about personalities emerging, right? Like Trevor Zegers everywhere, All-Star Weekend. Uh, profiles, all that. But I think Brad Marchand has been one of those personalities who's come to the fore this year. Um, but clearly, despite some reform with his playing style and personality, uh, he's still got something deep inside of him. Because uh, we saw Bad Marchand emerge again this week. We saw that alter ego versus the Pittsburgh Penguins in a loss and in a very strange scene involving Tristan Jari. It actually started out fine. It actually started out pretty funny and like kind of that ultra cool sort of persona that Marchand has built all of a sudden where he noticed Tristan Jari trying to flip a puck to a group of fans, skated over perfect timing, knocked it off Jerry's stick, caught it in one stride in motion and then flipped it away sort of in disgust. I mean, that was like a cool little highlight. And we're talking about a souvenir going over the glass. What better souvenir as a fan of the Boston Bruins than have Brad Marchand deny the goaltender right in front of you who's trying to give you a puck? I think that's better than the puck, personally. Uh, But it wasn't just about the puck. It was something else that was really agitating him, and he lost it at the end of the game, one that Boston lost. Uh, and earned himself a six-game suspension for a combination of roughing and high-sticking. The combination was a punch to the side of Jari's head while he froze a puck and poking him sort of in the the, the neck protector uh, and mask with the end of his stick. So I guess a spear or a high stick, whatever. Now, stupid, moronic, all that, but not dangerous. So... That's why I don't really agree with the suspension or believe that the punishment fits the crime. It's, this is about punishing the player or the repeat offender rather than the act, which I guess is fine because you have to do something to try and curb behavior. And of course, repeat offenders. I mean, this is just something. This is a fact of life. But I saw a lot of people comparing like what Jason Spezza did, a first-time offender who got six games versus the six games versus Marshawn and saying, well, that doesn't make sense the other way. I mean, in a vacuum, Jason Spezza's suspendable act was about 100 times more dangerous than Marshawn's. Like, that was a legitimate concussive or potentially concussive blow versus what is really just two minor penalties that earned him a match penalty and, and again, a six-game suspension in the end. And Spezza's was reduced. I don't, again, though, not not like, I don't have a problem with the suspension. Again, you have to do that. Second suspension of the year, seven in his career. These things just add up. And he's forfeiting almost a half million dollars, six games, and maybe his place in the conversation around league MVP. He was at the fringes of that discussion, I think, with his play. Um, but you can pretty much eliminate that possibility now. 
Okay, as I mentioned, the Olympics underway. Uh, I'm covering Canada, so I'm going to talk about Canada. Apologize to any American viewers. Um, let's do some impressions. And I think actually they play off each other reasonably well when considering the strengths and weaknesses of both teams. I actually think they have opposite problems. With the Canadian women, who I think are the second best team based on performance, even though they're the only undefeated team, or at least the team in the strong group that's undefeated, the winners of Group A. I mean, they got outplayed by the Americans in that first game. And they look dangerously thin on defense. They only have two returnees, Renata Fast and Jocelyn The Rock, and they look like the only ones who could really stand up to the pressure. But the skill up front, the high skill, the top six skill, I don't think anyone, including the United States, can match that. Now, the men have the opposite problem. They got first-line problems. They've only played one game, so this is, again, very early. But at first line of Eric Stahl, who's returning after 12 years to the Olympic stage, Josh Hosang and Mason McTavish, I mean, they just didn't look like a team that was going to, or a line that was going to be dominant in this tournament. They didn't look like they had that, or certainly what Marie-Philippe Lan, Sarah Fillier, Sarah Nurse, um, Brianna Decker, or Brianna Jenner, rather, what they have provided Canada on the women's side. So I feel like that's an issue for the men. It was, an, it was going to be an issue. All the best players in the world are playing in the NHL, of course. So finding those elite offensive players is going to be a problem. But on the flip side, where the women have problems on defense, the Canadian men might have the best defense in the entire tournament. Of course, they've got the number one overall pick in the NHL last summer in Owen Power. But Max Nero and Matt Robinson, two of three returning players for Canada, might be the best two defensemen in the entire tournament, or at least tandem. Um, and then they've got Mark Barbario, Jason Namares, guys who recently in the NHL. This is a very strong defensive core for Canada. And it feels like, the way we saw the first game play out, is that they're going to be in tight games where their depth might have to shine and they might have to play very stingy defense. So I feel like these two teams are going to be try to win, trying to win gold, medal and gold medals in different ways. While the Canadian women are going to be opportunistic, take their chances, and that's how they're going to try and win a gold medal, well, the men are going to have to play lockdown defense, lean on those great defensemen, and get scoring from all corners of their roster in order to outscore teams 2-1, to 3-2. to two. One thing for the men that's sort of a blessing in disguise, uh, Daniel Carr couldn't play, so it opened the door for Kent Johnson, who, like Mason McTavish and Owen Power, represented Canada at the World Juniors, only 19 years old. I thought with the exception of Eric O'Dell, that he was the best forward for Canada in the opening game. Um, and he wasn't even supposed to be on the team. Pulled up from the taxi squad uh, just before the start of the tournament. So a blessing in disguise there. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be playing in the tournament, I believe, until it concludes. Let's move to the Power Five. It's where I... Uh, Choose the best five teams in the NHL right now, and it's beginning to become less complicated here. Uh, it's beginning to, how this is all shaking down, look like there's only five to eight, maybe ten elite teams in the entire NHL. So choosing the best ones, like I wanted this to be more of like in the moment, but the best teams have been the best teams almost all year. So. A lot of 
there's going to be some repetitiveness here uh, as we go down the stretch, but we'll keep running them down. Excuse me. And number five is the Carolina Hurricanes. They might be, this might be the lowest position for them all season. I would check that, but I don't keep any stats here. But they got two straight losses out of the break, one to Ottawa, which is not a good one. Excuse me, and one to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, so they slip a little bit, but are you telling me they're not one of the best five teams in the NHL right now? With any degree of confidence, you're not. They are uh, they're one of the best five, so they remain at number five in the Power Five. The number four team is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Again, they had that victory over the Carolina Hurricanes, which is a very, very big one because it seems like with this team, we're just waiting for the challenges. Like the challenges are few and far between. When are they going to face a good team? They finally do. And they immediately pass that test. Were they a little bit fortunate in that game? At least it seems so. But again, it's hockey. Uh, and they got to win over one of the elite teams. And it seems like we rarely see them play elite teams. We haven't seen them play Florida yet. We'd like to see them play Tampa sometime soon. Um, but they look like they're just, you know, kind of feasting on mediocrity all year, which says something about them, but also says something about the league right now. So the Leafs are undisputedly one of the best teams in the NHL. And they break in here, number four, with their sixth win in the row coming against a good team. And they seem to have avoided a catastrophe with Austin Matthews returning to practice one day and playing in the game uh, expected later tonight against Calgary uh, after receiving a, a hard shot to the back of the head at the end of that Carolina game. But it seems like he's okay, which is massive, of course, the Maple Leafs. Next three teams have barely played. Uh, idle, idle, idle. That's what I've written down for notes here. Tampa Bay Lightning are number three. Haven't played in nine games. Return Thursday night again tonight versus the Colorado Avalanche, who I'll speak about in a second. Number two, the Florida Panthers. Idle. They've been off for two weeks. Am I going to drop them for being idle? No. They're one of the best teams, as Rod Brendamore said, a juggernaut, and I'm not disagreeing with Rod Brendamore. But number one is the Avs, who play the Lightning on Thursday night again uh and that's a huge game to the best teams in the nhl going at it the abs of course have barely dropped any points since returning from christmas uh so that's gonna be a, that's gonna be an interesting one busy team busy time for some teams not a busy time for others here in february uh it's an opportunity for some it's an opportunity for some uh, some to make up ground it's an opportunity for some to rest up like the panthers the lightning and the avalanche who deserve that rest and are setting the pace right now in the NHL. Uh, we will leave it there. Julian, on Sunday, to recap what's happening in the NHL and what's happening in the Olympics. Of course, he has a keen eye on what's going on in Montreal, and we'll have more zone time next week and more coverage of the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. By next weekend, we'll be discussing, perhaps, who's going to be playing in gold medal games and who has supremacy in the women's game. Uh, it's all very exciting, and it all continues on the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.